Today we're in Isaiah chapter 10, and we're going to look at the judgment of Samaria. How many of you knew that Samaria it was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel? You guys know that? Eventually, you guys have to know all these things, you know, and it's, it's not that we're in class, but I think it's going to help you understand. So the judgment of Samaria. So this is the northern kingdom after Israel got divided. And uh, in one sense, I'll use the word judgment because the Bible does use the word judgment. But because they're God's people, uh, maybe a better word would be discipline. So God disciplines his children. And so we see the judgment upon Samaria in Isaiah 10, 1 through 4. And then we're going to see the judgment upon Assyria in Isaiah 10, 5 through 19. And so um, we're going to talk a lot about judgment. And I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but Jesus is not only Savior, he's also judge. You know, and you might go, and one day you're all messed up, and here comes the, the, the Savior or the paramedics or whatever, and they, and they save your life, and you thank you for that title and task and training and all the stuff that they've done to save your life. But then, you know, you fast forward, different things happen in life, and sometimes, you know, you go south, you break the law, you do things that are crazy, and then one day you might stand your, find yourself standing before the judge. And the judge has a certain responsibility to do, and that is to execute justice. And so judgment is a big part of understanding who God is. And God will judge Assyria. God will judge the world. God is already beginning to judge the world. Did you guys know that? In Romans chapter 1, when you know, homosexuality becomes rampant, you want to know why it becomes rampant? You don't want to know why it becomes so aggressive? Part of the reason is because God is lifting up his hands of protection and restraining and he's just letting people do their thing that's a form of god's judgment you want to know when you get ungodly leaders that's a form of god's judgment so it's good for us to know just to have a healthy understanding of who god's god is we know he's loving right he loves you even though you're all messed up he loves you even though you failed today probably a few times he loves you he died for you he saved you he washed you. He's forgiven you. He lives in you. He never gives up on you. He's so amazing. And we have to understand just the perspective of who he is, but he's also holy. And so, you know, we got to know this. J.A. Packer said, there are a few things stressed more strongly in the Bible than the reality of God's work as judge. And so God will judge every nation. We know that. We read that in the scriptures. And God will judge every person. I know one way of looking at it is like consider choirs. Any of you guys ever sang in a choir? I'm just curious. Some of you guys sang in choirs. You probably wouldn't sing up here because you don't have that type of voice, right? You can be in a choir and no one even knows it, man. You're just lip syncing, right? <laughs> And so in the choirs of life, it's easy to fake the words, to go through the motions and just kind of move your lips. No one will know. But one day, every single one of us will have to sing a solo before God. You're, it's going to be real. Do you really know the Lord? And so judge, if not, then we find ourselves standing before the judge. And so 
You know, one uh, quote I want to read to you from Tozer. It's a little bit more difficult, so you guys got to put your thinking caps on for a second. But listen to what he says. He says, The vague and tenuous hope that God is too kind to punish the ungodly has become a deadly opiate for the consciences of millions. It hushes their fears and allows them to practice all pleasant forms of iniquity while death draws every day nearer and the command to repent goes unheeded. And that basically what he's saying is like there's this, like this view in the world that God is too nice. That God is, he wouldn't judge people. There's even some people who call themselves universalists and they believe that one day eventually everyone's going to get saved. I don't know what Bible they're reading, but it's definitely not our Bible. But Tozer touches on that, and they, they kind of think God's too nice, and, and it's almost becoming like this drug, this opiate, that, that, that just lulls them into a lack of fear of God, and they live their life of sin. And, and we have to have a healthy fear of God. So we'll talk about judgment upon Samaria, judgment upon Assyria, and then we're going to talk about the return of the Jews to the Lord and, and to the land. And, and maybe you're here today and you've drifted away. Maybe you're still going to church. Maybe you're still going through the motions. But in your heart, spiritually speaking, you have drifted away from this passionate relationship with God. It's so cool to know that he will bring us back, that there is this return to the land. There's this return to the Lord. He's such an awesome God, willing to do that. And tonight, maybe that'll be you returning to the Lord. We'll talk about that. And then we'll talk about the reign of Jesus on the earth for a, a thousand years. And that's called the millennial kingdom or the millennium. And that's over in Isaiah chapter 11. And so let's go through our study in verse 1. Continued woes upon Samaria. It actually began in chapter 9, verse 8. Remember, Samaria is the capital of Israel. And it says, Woe to those who decree unrighteous deeds, who decrees, who write misfortune, which they have prescribed. In the NIV, it says, Woe to those who make unjust laws. Or one translation says, Doomed to you who legislate evil. It's interesting, right? And he says in verse 2, to rob the needy of justice and to take what is right from the poor of my people, that, that widows may be their prey and that they may rob the fatherless. This is heavy. What will you do in the day of punishment and in the day of desolation which will come from afar? To whom will you flee for help? And where will you leave your glory or your riches? Without me, they shall bow down among the prisoners and they shall fall among the slain. For all this, his anger, speaking of God's anger, is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Now again, if you, you know, chapter breaks, sometimes they don't do a good job. Um, this probably should have been a continuance of chapter 9 where he's talking about the judgment upon Samaria. Now remember, Israel's the northern kingdom. Samaria is the capital. And God is saying, these are all the things that they've done wrong and this is why I, I must judge them. There's these woes to them. There's this doom to them. And God would eventually do that. There were these corrupt leaders in Israel who were perverting the cause of justice and, and righteousness. And Isaiah reminds them of the sorrow that awaits them who pass 
unjust laws in order to prey upon the vulnerable. And so I don't know if you guys ever thought about running for office, you know, being a, a, you know, a congressman or being a senator, you know, being a governor, maybe being a judge. But there is a heavy, heavy responsibility upon those who actually are part of the legislation, part of making laws. And you guys know, huh? And I, we, don't, we could be here for a million years talking about all the evil legislation in the United States of America. I mean, we could just be here all night, right? I mean, it's a huge responsibility. I mean, they call them the Supreme Court. Are they really the Supreme Court? No, God is. And those judges will stand before the judge. Our governor will stand before the governor. The government will be upon Jesus' shoulder. And so it's important for us to understand these things. You know, something I think is so relevant, I mean, you just name it, the legalization of marijuana. You know, who, who, who came up with that? Who's, who kind of put all the writing together? Who voted for it? All those who voted for it. They're even having, uh, in the next uh, county fair, they're having a thing where whoever does the best cannabis, I don't know if it's strong or tastes good, I don't know how it works, they're going to win a prize. I mean, you guys remember, we're, we're old enough to know we know what it does to us. We know what it does to our brain. The drugs. I mean, we could talk about this for a long time, but just because they're legal doesn't mean it's right in God's sight. And whoever voted for it, what are they going to do when they stand before God? That's what Isaiah is asking here. You know, when I think about what's going on in our, in our world you know, regarding abortion, in 1973, Roe v. Wade judgment made it legal, and so now we know 62 million children have been slaughtered. In our nation alone, 125,000 children are murdered around the world every single day. Who voted for that? Who put that law together? What judge said it was okay? What Isaiah is saying right here is, what are they going to do? One day when they stand before God. And some people, some of these guys are like, well, you know, it's the, the public opinion or whatever. They might even somehow, you know, blame it on whatever, some legal document, constitution. Listen, you, whoever you are making those laws, whoever you are, you got to understand that this is what we have to base all our laws on, especially if you call yourself a Christian. You know, we talk about women's rights. Well, how many of those children were female? You know, Newsom, Governor Newsom recently just signed two laws. And these laws are really, to me, I was tripping out as I was reading this article. Gavin Newsom vows to make California a reproductive freedom state. Reproductive. Now, I looked up that word. I'm like, what is reproductive? Well, reproductive is when you have children. But, you know, he wants to make it like something like, I don't know, reproductive freedom. It's almost like an oxymoron in his way of thinking, in his vernacular. I mean, he's anti-productive. He's unproductive. And he signed these two laws into pass. And so if you're in close to an abortion clinic and you take a picture of someone maybe 100 feet away or whatever, you got a camera, then you can spend a year in county jail or $10,000, or both. Not only that, here's the one that's really tough about this law. 
he signed this into law so that if you're on your parents' insurance and you're 12 years old and you want to get an abortion, then your law, this law now says it's, it's just totally, the way that they're doing it is that your parents don't have to know and they're doing special things to make sure that your parents don't have to know. Now, all I know is this. One day, this guy is going to stand before God. What will he do? Judgment. I don't care who he is. I don't care how, whatever, smart, good-looking, popular, famous, who voted for him. We have to know these things, just in case you ever run for office. And as you're voting for people, we have to know this. This is what Isaiah is saying right here. What will you do? Israel had these unjust laws, and God is saying, what will you do? And the day came when Assyria wiped out that northern kingdom of Israel. And you guys know this. Unless there is a repentance or some type of revival, God is going to rapture his church out, and he will judge our nation. So we read, first of all, about the judgment upon Assyria. and I'm sorry, Samaria. And, and then Assyria. And we read it in Isaiah chapter 10 in verse 5. He says, Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger, and the staff in whose hand is my indignation. I will send him against an ungodly nation and against the people of my wrath. I will give him charge to seize the spoil, to take the prey, and to tread, down, tread them down like the mire or the soft, slushy mud of the streets. And so Assyria, you guys know as you study history, they were used by God to discipline his children, to punish many nations. And uh, Assyria, uh, though, they wanted to take it a step further. They intended to destroy. And Assyria actually thought the reason they were winning these wars, the reason they were conquering these kingdoms, was because they were strong and, and wise. And so um, God used Assyria like he would use a, a tool, like he would use a weapon, but they became arrogant. And so God said, okay, I'm going to judge you. And so we read about the God of judgment. Look in verse 7. It says, talking about Assyria, yet he does not mean so, nor does his heart think so, but it, it is in his heart to destroy, not just discipline, and cut off not, not a few nations. They wanted to destroy many nations, for he says, are not my princes altogether kings? And it's not Kaino like Harchemish. It's not Hamath like Arpad. It's not Samaria like Damascus. He's just comparing all these different capitals of kingdoms that he's conquered. And he says, hey, you know, these various uh, countries that we've conquered, it's just my doing, right? And so we read in verse 10, as my hand has found the kingdom of the idols whose carved images excelled those of Jerusalem and Samaria, as I have done to Samaria and her idols, shall I not also do to Jerusalem and her idols? You know, Assyria, they didn't consider the fact that there was a remnant in Jerusalem who loved the living God, not just idols. You guys, we love the living God. You know, so the Assyrians were conquering these other nations, and they even got to the northern kingdom of Samaria, which, again, they even they were filled with idols. And so now they're going down to Jerusalem. And remember we read last week that they're kind of like up to their necks. They had conquered a large portion of the, of the nation, but now they're at the capital. Now it's like they're surrounding Washington, D.C. or whatever. 
and they just think, man, we, we got them, right? But, but God would judge Assyria. Look at verse 12. Therefore, it shall come to pass when the Lord has performed all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem that he will say, I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the glory of his haughty looks. And so, you know, you guys, we're going to talk about this a lot. And then when you go back in history, you're going to see it in 2 Kings, and you're going to see it in 2 Chronicles, and you're going to see it in Isaiah uh, 37 and and 38. You're going to see how God would judge Assyria. You know, and, and the thing about it, what happened was God used them like a weapon, but it would be like, you know, we're going to see the instrument boasting that it's itself, and it was really not them. There, there's a principle there. I just want to, as a quick side note, God can use a donkey. God can use a, anyone as a tool. God can use anyone as an instrument. It's never the vessel. And that's why they should never touch the glory. That's what Assyria did. They thought they were all that, when in all reality, it was just God using them. But sometimes it takes a long time for people to wake up. And so that's what's going to happen to Assyria. God would judge them. Look at verse 13. For he, he says, this is what he's saying, by the strength of my hand, I have done it. And by my wisdom, for I am I'm prudent. Also, I have removed the, the boundaries of the people and have robbed their treasures so I've put down the inhabitants like a valiant man. My, my hand has found like a nest the riches of the people. And as one gathers eggs that are left, I have gathered all the earth. And there was no one who moved his wing nor opened his mouth with even a peep. You know, they thought it was their own strength, their own wisdom, their own prudence. They, they robbed these nations. They got so rich and they did it so easily he says it was like taking eggs from a chicken. That's what Assyria thought. They were so caught up in themselves. You know, real quick, I'll tell you guys something just a little different, but today it was kind of cool. KKLA came in and they gave us like this uh, gra- gratitude lunch and stuff. You guys know the radio station KKLA, right? And, uh, and so they were asking, uh, asking me, they said, well, this all started, we want to give thanks to the pastors, you know, it started during COVID, and uh, he said, um, and so we always ask the, the guys, we always ask the pastors, like, how did you guys make it through that period? How'd you make it through COVID? What'd you guys do? And, and I just told him, it's the grace of God. It's not me, it's not us, it's God. And, and here's Assyria thinking it's them, their prudent, their wisdom. Oh, yeah, we started doing this and that and live stream and all that kind of stuff. And, this is, and then Assyria's like, no, the Lord's all, no, it's, it's, you've got to understand the principle. Look what he says as you read through here. It's interesting. Verse 15, shall the axe boast itself against him who chops with it? Or shall the saw exalt itself against him who saws with it? as if a rod could wield itself against those who lift it up, or as if a a staff could lift up, as if it were not wood. Therefore, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, will send leanness among his fat ones. Basically, what he says right there is God's going to bring disease upon the sturdy warriors of Assyria. 
And under his glory, he will kindle a burning like the burning of a fire. So the light of Israel will be for a fire and the Holy One for a flame. It will burn and devour his thorns and his briars in one day. And it will consume the glory of his forest and of his fruitful field, both soul and body. And they will be as when a sick man wastes away and then the rest of the trees of his forest will be so few in number that a child may write them. A child can count them. And, and so um, it's interesting how these trees, they're symbolic of soldiers. And there would be so few left that even a, a child can, can count them. And so one of the things that I want to encourage you guys to know, because it's found three times in the Bible, and I know if it's found three times in the Bible, uh, like verbatim, that God really wants us to know it, is that, you remember that time when Jerusalem was surrounded by the Assyrian army? Do you guys remember that? 185,000 soldiers surrounded Jerusalem. They had defeated the rest of the world. They thought, there's no way we could lose. But then Hezekiah went, he spread the matter before the Lord, and the one angel, Jesus, the angel of the Lord, Jesus, came and he wiped out 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. And that's what happened. And it was interesting, and that took place in 701 B.C. And then in 609 B.C., the Assyrian army was conquered by the Babylonians. And so, you know, for us, uh, it's interesting when you look at what happens when someone begins to touch the glory and of course we know in this case it's a pagan nation that was just rising up against god and when i see what's going on in our world today and they don't want god they don't want bibles they don't want prayer they don't want the principles of god they don't want the legislation of god they're rising up against god these types of things it's going to happen jesus is going to come you know, notice it says right there in verse 17, so the light of Israel, and in my Bible, the word the light is capitalized, the light of Israel will be for a fire and his holy one for a flame. Now, holy one, how many holy ones in that kind of context can there be? How many? Just one. Who is that? That's Jesus. Sweet loving Jesus will wipe them out. So we, and that's why, I, that's why I love being able to teach the Bible, being able to say the Bible, because some people, they just want to camp out on all the easy studies and the good, loving, gushy stuff, and you can't, because then you won't get a proper perspective of who God really is. And so you realize, oh, God will, God will give his children a trangasso. God will discipline Samaria. God will judge the church. Judgment begins at the church. So we better be right. God will judge Assyria. God will judge United States of America because we know better. God will judge China. God will judge Russia. And we're going to talk about it today. It's really, really interesting. The judgment upon Samaria, judgment upon Assyria. But then it's kind of cool how Isaiah, he always does this. We, we see then something positive, the return of the Jews to the land and the Lord. Look at verse 20. Of Isaiah 10, and it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel 
and such as have escaped of the house of Jacob will never again depend on him who defeated them, but will depend on the Lord and the Holy One of Israel in truth, that the remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. And so another thing that you'll see, because some of you guys are probably reading through the Bible. How many of you guys are reading the one-year Bible? Some of you are doing that, right? And we're in the book of Isaiah now, and you're seeing that, huh? One of the lessons that he's telling us is that don't depend on Egypt. Don't depend on the world. Don't depend on your job. Don't depend on your looks. Don't depend on your health, whatever it might be. Don't, you have to have all of your trust, total trust in God. When we eat, we don't thank our jobs. I mean, thank God for our jobs. But when we eat, we thank God. God will always... We don't trust in Egypt. What had happened was Israel had made an alliance with Assyria. They thought Assyria can help them out. And so they put their trust in Assyria. Assyria did come and conquer Damascus and Samaria. But then they turned on Judah and Jerusalem. And so through all this, God says, they're going to return to me. The remnant will return to me and they will not depend on anyone else except me. And I'm telling you guys, that's the best place to be where you're just trusting the Lord. And that's one of the lessons you're going to see in Isaiah. You know, the, the day will come and their remnant will return. To me, it's interesting how they return to the the mighty God. Now, where have we heard those two words in conjunction before? You guys know, huh? Or you don't know? Okay, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and they will call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Who is that? They're going to return to Jesus. Some people wonder, well, did they ever have a relationship with Jesus? Did they ever really even have Jesus? Well, we know New Testament times, the Jerusalem church, the Jewish church, it was, the church was Jewish in the beginning, but in the Old Testament, the rock that followed them, the rock that like, kind of like you know, led them through the land was none other than Jesus. So one day we see they'll, they'll return, And that's why, you guys, for us as Christians, we have so much solid evidence, man. We have faith, but it's faith founded on fact. When you look at Israel, and they're a nation right now in the land, that's a sign. How they have returned to the land, and they've done it many times. But in our generation, they've returned. So they return to the land, and then eventually they're going to return to the Lord. And so I want to encourage you guys tonight, just in case there's anyone here who you've drifted away from God in any way. You know, we're supposed to love God that much, and that means that nothing comes between us, right? I pray that we would come back to the Lord because it's easy for the ways and things of the world to creep into our hearts. It's really easy for us to start doing all other things, and if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If he can't deceive you, he'll distract you. And then little by little, Hebrews talks about it, they drift away. No. No, I will follow closely. Sometimes we got to return to the Lord. As a pastor, you know, I thank God that 
I get to teach the Bible. My wife, she'll usually tell me that's why God made you a pastor because otherwise you might not read the Bible as much and she's probably right, you know. But even me, I find the, the, the way of the world, these things of the world, that so much, they want to make your heart grow cold and distant and I will fight it because I, as, a, as a pastor or as a Christian, I just want to be so close to the Lord. Maybe you need to return. They did. And you know what God did when the prodigal son returned? You guys remember what God did? He ran to him. He will run to you. You just got to say it in your heart. Lord, I'm back. Lord, you come to your senses. You know, the remnant returns. And look what happens in verse 22. He says, For though your people, O Israel, be as the sand of the sea, a remnant of them will return. The destruction decreed shall overflow. I love this. Overflow with righteousness. I mean, the discipline that they went through would be used for good. It would actually overflow with righteousness. For the Lord God of hosts will make a determined end in the midst of all the land. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrian. He shall strike you with a rod and lift up his staff against you in the manner of Egypt for yet a little while and the indignation will cease as will my anger in their destruction. And the Lord of hosts will stir up a a scourge for him like the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb as his rod was on the sea. So will he lift it up in the manner of Egypt." And so you guys have studied that whole 185,000 surrounding Jerusalem and you saw how Hezekiah stood strong and some of the people stood strong. Well, maybe part of the reason they stood strong is because they had prophecies like this. That's what God's word will do. It will strengthen you. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so he said, you don't have to be afraid. They're going to come and they will get portions of Judah but not not Jerusalem. And so we see, you know, in verse uh, 26, he talks about how it's going to be like, like, like Midian, the slaughter uh, of Midian. And you guys might remember the story of Gideon and how God used him and 300 men to defeat 135,000 Midianites. And this is what I want to say. I believe with all my heart that if you follow Jesus Christ, with everything that you are, that God will do absolutely unexplainable, just supernatural, amazing things, victories in your life. Whether it be the 135,000 Midianites or 185,000 Assyrians, you just have to take his word and you believe it with all your heart and so we see the, the victory, the promise. Isaiah tells them, don't be afraid, man. Verse 27, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken a- away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. You know, I mean, you guys know what the word Christ means, right? What does it mean? Messiah, that's Hebrew now. So Christ or Christos is Greek, Messiah is Hebrew. What does that mean? 
anointed one. Anointed one. Anointed with the Holy Spirit. That's who Jesus was. And we are Christians. Did you know that we are anointed? We are anointed by the power and person of the Holy Spirit. And what he's saying right here is, man, that the yoke will, will be broken. I love that. The burden lifted because of the anointing oil in our life. I, I, I'm just trying. My, my, my prayer is that the church will realize who God is and the church will realize who they are in Christ. Do you know that you can walk on water? Anybody here know that? I'm not talking about literal water. Who cares about literal water? Some of you guys are like, well, I'd rather do literal water. No, I mean, I wouldn't know. We're talking about where all the demons are under your feet. There's no, there's no victory that they would have in your life. We can move mountains. All we need is the faith of a child. And I'm not saying you get your way. I'm saying you get God's way. And I'm saying you don't have to sin. And I'm saying you'll be given wisdom as a husband and as a dad and as a mom and as a minister. Why? Because of the anointing oil. Look at verse 28. He has come to Aath and he has passed Migron at Michmash. He has attended to his equipment. These are the Assyrians. They have gone along the ridge. They have taken up lodging at Geba. Ramah is afraid. Gibeah of Saul has fled. What what he's describing here, if you look at a map, is the Assyrians are invading from the north. They're invading Judah, and they're coming down, and everybody's like scattering. And so they're getting closer and closer. It's like the demons are attacking more and more, right? And and so he says in verse 31, Madmana has fled. The inhabitants of Gibeon seek refuge, and yet he will remain at Nob that day. And he will shake his fist at the mount of the daughter of Zion, the hill of Jerusalem. Behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, will lop off the bow with terror, and those of high stature will be hewn down, and the haughty will be humbled. He will cut down the thickets of the forest with iron, and Lebanon will fall by the mighty one. And again, what he's describing is the invasion of the Assyrians in 701 BC. And they stopped at Nob, which is about two miles away from Jerusalem. And you guys remember the story, man. They're shaking their fists. We're going to get you. You guys don't think you're anything special. You're going down. And the devil will lie. And if the devil can kind of get you to the place with the double-edged sword of, of doubt and discouragement, then you know what? He's going to get a foothold. He's going to get the upper hand. But we know. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. See? And so he's there. That's, he thinks he's got them. But, but no, we're going to see as we go through Isaiah that God defeats the Assyrians. One angel, we talked about it, Jesus comes and he rescues you. And so I, I, we're not going to be able to do chapter 11 tonight. I was looking f- so forward to it. But, but my prayer is that we would take these things to heart. Uh, Isaiah is just an amazing book, uh, giving us an understanding of who God is, his holiness and, and his justice and his judgment. And hopefully there's a healthy fear of God, but hopefully there's also a healthy faith in God. 
You know, that as we return to him, he's so gracious to forgive us and give us a new start. And, and I really do believe in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief has come except to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. You know, I was reading about um, an earthquake that actually took place in, in Messina, Italy. You know, because I think sometimes people don't realize the judgment of God and holiness of God. And, and when I was reading about this story, it's an interesting story. It took place back on December 28th in the year 1908. And an earthquake struck this city and somewhere around 80,000 people died. And one of the things about this earthquake, which was the, probably one of the most destructive earthquake ever to strike Europe, was a few hours before that earthquake, uh, the, the, uh, the, the wicked and irreligious condition of the inhabitants of the city were expressed in a series of violent resolutions that were passed against God. And, and they actually dared him to judge them. And he did. Three days later, you know, when, when people live like, oh, that's just, you know, the Bible or you're just Christians or, you know, when they live like in an oblivion to their creator, when they go against their conscience, when they lose all conviction, it's kind of like they're daring God. You know, when you look at the hundreds of years that Israel was a nation and Judah was a nation, usually it takes about that long. And I, and I have a feeling, just like you guys know, um, sometimes a banana is a little bit green, but eventually it gets ripe, huh? For that peanut butter and banana sandwich, man. But in this case, ripe for judgment. That's the world that we live in now. The other day, a dear brother called me. and He said, I, uh, and he was crying. Is crying. And he said, I have such a burden on my heart to post things that people are not going to like. I have to tell them about hell. I have to tell them about judgment. I have to warn my friends that I know, and he's crying as he's telling me these, I know that they're not going to like it. And I, and I told him, I said, that's our job. You know, it's not just love and good and peace and easy and all that grace. You know what? I mean, praise God for that. But when you read the Bible, we find that the, the road to life is narrow and there are few who find it. But the way to destruction is broad and, and most people, they're on, their, they're on that road. And so my prayer is that we would warn people the way that God wants us to. And the cool thing about it is when you read the Bible, and that's why I encourage you guys to read your Bible, you get a beautiful and balanced view of God. So we love you guys. If you're here and you need to get right with the Lord, we pray that you would know He's here and willing to meet you, and He can do a pretty cool work in your life.